Hi, this is Lisa Hawkins with Christian Warrior Woman. And today we're going to talk about the impacts of shame and what's the root of shame. Many women, over 50% of women experience shame in their life and many live many years struggling with shame. And there's some three key reasons that they live so long with struggling with it because shame on a whole makes a woman feel trapped. Trapped in a circumstance that she really can't change. And whether, you know, many of us can look from the outside and say the person could have did this or did that. But in that moment, the person felt trapped. Also, they feel powerless. They feel they don't have power over possibility of the person or circumstances that they are in. So trapped, powerless, what else will that make you feel? Isolated. Isolated, and I always relate the isolation to keeping the secret because you don't share what you have shame about. You keep that hidden, which also affects you in relationships, affects you in your job. You know, it it you know, it just basically defeats you from your confidence. So when we look at many women in the workplace or women in that we know and are close to and we recognize they never speak up for themselves or they always just seem so like not self-confident, always having a lot of self-doubt. They could suffer from shame that's in their life. And believe it or not, a lot of times we think of shame with maybe being molested or something, um, you know, that can be horrific. But shame can fit. One of the things I saw in the research that there are no universal shame triggers. There are no particular events or situation that any of those that can make us experience shame. So when I was reading, it stated that when the the research that was done on shame in women, that they normally fit into these categories, which I'm sure many of us can identify with. You know, people feel shame about their identity, shame about their appearance, sexuality, family, motherhood, parenting, health, whether it's mental and physical, aging, religion, and a woman's ability to stand up and speak out for herself. These are the categories in which women struggle the most with feelings of shame. Maybe you can relate to some of those categories. I have coached and ministered to women who felt shame about not being able to get pregnant. Shame about being overweight. Shame about um, their eye shape. You know, they're wearing glasses because they don't want people to see their eyes. I mean, there, there are so many areas that we can feel shame about. And it's such a plan of the enemy because shame makes us think less of ourselves. It makes us think we're alone. It makes us think we have no power. And think about who would want us to believe that but the devil himself.
We are his ultimate enemy. We are the the carrier of the seed, the the carrier of people that will come and war against and battle against him in the earth. And so what does he need to make sure that we reinforce in our thoughts and our beliefs that we're powerless, that we are alone so that we're isolated, we don't share, we keep secrets, make us jealous of other women who seem to have it together, but they have their own insecurities and shame, and to feel trapped with no way out. We, none of us, you who are listening, you are not trapped in your current situation. You are not powerless, and you are definitely not isolated and alone. And that's what I want you to mainly get from how you release shame that you may have in areas of your life. Because the first thing we want to do is it takes courage to admit any type of weakness to a person. So bringing it to the surface and, you know, talking about it with someone that you trust initially and getting a voice about it to share, maybe in a small group, maybe with one of your friends to start breaking down what I found that I had to do. And fortunately, I think for me, or maybe it's fortunate for other women, the Lord really had me share my shame publicly in a book. Well, when the Lord was telling me about doing the book, I was like, I got to share it in a book. I can't like um, have a conversation with somebody or talk to a family member or a coach or someone. And the Lord, I really felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to do the book because wanted it to be out and done and over and this nitpicking of having conversations here and there, but never really releasing it, had it paralyzing me in other ways because it was eating away at my self-worth of how I, what I thought about myself. So I ask you today in your journal to think of three areas, and you could just do one. Think of one to three areas where you feel shame. I have ministered to women who felt shame because her parents were divorced and she felt abandoned by the father and it resulted in her feeling shame. I've had um, people feel shame about being divorced or being a single parent. There are so many areas as women that sometimes we even mention to people about feeling shame or they come into the church and they've had a promiscuous sex life and we, you know, give them a look or make comments like, oh, really? Wow. You slept with a lot of people. Those are all things that could make what? We can receive shame. We can have people try to put shame on us (laughs) and we can then put shame on ourselves. So think of these, there's three ways we can get it. We can have something happen to us that makes us feel shame. We could have someone speak something over us that makes us feel shame. Or we can do it ourselves by our life experience. And so we have daughters. You know, if you're a mom with a daughter, 
the thing that you want to do is to make sure you banish shame from her life, that you have deep conversations about things that she may feel shame about. You know, we ignore the high divorce rates in our families with our daughters and our sons. And we avoid addressing some of the areas that need to be discussed with our children, that need to be had, because shame can lead our daughters and lead ourselves into wrong relationships. Because we're seeking someone to make us feel important, to make us feel that we have worth, because shame has made us feel powerless and unworthy, and we are seeking that power. And there is one person, one being, that can bring us power and authority and make us know that we are part of his kingdom, and that is accepting Jesus Christ. And that is believing that we are worthy and our experience, each of us have good and bad experiences that can garner shame. But we have to know that we have to bring those to the throne of God. How do we release shame from your life? Well, keeping it a secret and keeping it in and keeping it bottled up is definitely not the way to go. If we look at 1 John 1, nine, the word says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, I'm not sitting here to say that if someone did something to you that you're shameful about that it's your sin, but it is an unrighteousness that has been done to you that you know that God is faithful in bringing healing. You know, when we look at Romans ten eleven. It says, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. We cannot carry the cloak of shame on our backs and drag it into our workplace, drag it into our relationship, drag it into our friendships, and drag it into our relationship with God. God does not bring shame upon you. And when you stand before him and pray and you ask him to heal you, you ask him to renew your heart and mind and soul, he is making you new. He is making you pure and white as snow. And I want you to accept that, but we have to say it. We have to um, read it. We have to meditate on it. We have to meditate on it. So shame brought on from what others have done to you is healed through your forgiveness toward those who may have violated you or may have spoken words over you that you viewed as a curse. Um, You know, maybe they said, oh, you'll never be any good. You'll be like your mother or, you know, whatever someone may have said to make you feel shameful, forgive them. Forgiveness is key throughout our lives, as you'll learn, ladies. And we need to just learn that forgiveness can be a process in deep, painful situation. But the words I also notice when I forgive someone, neither their name nor the circumstances causes a reaction from me physically or emotionally in the future. And one way I know that I've forgiven someone 
is that they don't that they don't the their name doesn't arouse anything within me. And so we know when we have forgiven someone, if we still, when their name comes up, have to talk about it and say, you know what they did to me and blah, blah, blah. You haven't really forgiven. You gave lip service, but you haven't forgiven. So today I want to share with you a couple of things that you can do. For one, I want you to speak out loud against shame with yourself first. And these are stickies you can put on your mirror, in your car, or maybe in your journal, or in your wallet if you need to look at them. But there's statements such as, I am worthy, I am respectful, I am pure, I am holy before God, I am a new creature, I am free from shame, I am no longer a victim, I have a future, I have hope, I have joy. Replay what I just stated if you need to. And here are two different prayers that you might look, you know, that you might want to pray or might want to use. And I'll read this slowly so you can capture it. And this is how you would probably pray to forgive this person if you're saying it as a person that may have made you feel shame. Lord, I pray to forgive, and I'm stating blank, and you might have more than one person. So let's say blank and blank for the shame that they have attached to my identity. Lord, I release to you all the lies, feelings, and emotions attached to the harm they have done, such as And you'll list that blank, blank, and blank. Or if you've got more blanks, you add that. You go on to say, I ask forgiveness for believing the lies that their actions were were my fault. Father, I lay down my judgment and place them in the hands of their creator. I trust your love and righteousness in Jesus' name. The second prayer could be, Lord, I repent for engaging in actions that led to my shame. I was wrong when I blank, blank, and blank. Father, I ask, for your forgiveness. I pray to learn and grow to be a faithful daughter of the Most High God. There are people who feel shame about drug use. We've got an opiate epidemic going on, and there's many people who feel shame about coming out and asking for help or alcoholism. I have um, worked with a woman who was riding around with a QT cup and she had vodka in it. And when I was talking to her, I smell, I was like, dang, I smell liquor. But she had a QT cup. Never occurred to me that she would have, she had that in the car. So if she was stopped by an officer, they would see the QT cup. So I found that interesting. But there are so many areas that 
we have shame about, but you know what your area is. I just want the Lord to fill your soul with truth about your worthiness. I want you to say the prayer or a prayer similar until you feel the shame broken off. I want you to speak and speak to yourself and speak positively. And when someone else tries to put shame on you, that you stop them in their tracks and you make it clear to them that is not who you are. And you would appreciate them respecting your relationship and respecting you by not engaging in personal attacks against your character and against your identity. You have chosen to be a daughter of the Most High God. I want you to take on the confidence of being direct, being clear, and speak your truth and your worth. I don't want you to give up the value of who you are ever again. God says in his words in various scriptures who he created you to be, who he desires you to be, and who he has called us to be. And I challenge you today to be that woman. I challenge you to speak up for yourself and to never let the cloud of shame abide over your head, your person, your property, or you again. I ask God today, in agreement with you, to break shame off of your life, to break shame off as a generational curse that could be upon. Maybe it's been passed down of shame from a mother or a grandmother, but I want you to stand in the gap today and say that my children are not going to bear the shame that I have lived with and kept it as a secret. And I want you to get the courage, maybe not today, but in the future, to share what you are shameful about with another woman that you see struggling with shame. Be a person of impact. Let what the enemy has used to mess with your life and stress in your life to bring victory to your life and to someone else's. Be a lifeline to another woman in the area of shame. We have to be the encouragers of one another. We can't be isolated and alone. We have to unite together in a sisterhood that says, not on my watch am I going to stand by and watch the enemy personally attack the character of my sister in Christ. I send you love. I send you the glory of God this day. And I know that you will be victorious. Be blessed. Amen. Hi, this is Lisa Hawkins with Christian Warrior Woman. Well, good day and good day, ladies. I want to jump in 
and talk about the area of women and regret. And first, I want to make sure that each and every one of you know that every woman on the planet has had regret about something or another in their lives or something that has happened to them, maybe a person that they um, got involved with, or maybe even regretting speaking about an issue to a person. Sometimes we can regret even conversations in our marriage or in a relationship that maybe that we should have let, as they say, dead dogs lie and not continue in the argument and then it escalated to something else and so we have regret. But we have regret about our money, about maybe how we've managed it or maybe how we depended on someone else. Regret maybe have living lived with someone who then when the late relationship ended, you had nowhere to live with your children. Maybe you had regret about an abortion. Maybe there was regret about um, your divorce. There are so many things in life that happen where we can struggle with regret. But the thing that we have to remember is that's key and that we have to remind ourselves. And it's so key that we use our our mouth and we use our eyes to read the living word, to read in motivational words that move us from looking at in the rear, which to me regret is like living your life, looking in the rear view mirror of what you've passed and never realizing you're crashing in front of you because you're not looking in front. And so when we even use the word with the RE, it's like, it's what's behind. And we have to learn. God gave us eyes. <laughs> I like this. God gave us eyes that look forward. He didn't give us eyes for the back of our head. So we don't need to put our attention to what lies in the back of us. We need our attention that's to the front of us. And there are animals and birds and whatnot that have eyes on the side of their face and everything like that. Our eyes aren't on the side of our face. So the Lord had already determined when we were created that moving forward was the momentum and the desire and the focus that we need to have in our life. So when you think of regretting whether it's people, circumstances, things, focus on I'm alive to move forward and to expect, ladies, expect and anticipate something great that is coming before me. So I want to start with Philippians 3 and 13, where it says brothers and sisters. And so this morning I'm talking to sisters. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do for getting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I want you to fight for what's ahead of you. You know, it's called Christian Warrior Woman for a reason that life is not about being easy, but it is about being determined and about momentum and about moving forward. And if, 
And if you hear from God and have the Holy Spirit within you, then you have the ability to say when the enemy brings regret to you that I'm not going to live in regret. So let's look at some facts about regret, especially when it comes to women. Surprise, surprise, that women are at a higher risk of regret. Why? Because women are at a higher risk of poverty in most industrialized nations. You know, if we look at the U.S., women are 35% more likely than men to live in poverty. And there's 14 and a half million women and children who are living in households headed by a woman. And that number is probably higher by now. So the likelihood of a single mom having regret is very high. But what we have to do is focus on that you are within God's plan. I don't care if you had a child out of wedlock. I don't care if you have more children than you could afford. What I'm trying to share with you is that everything in your life, God already knew would happen. And he also knew that he has a plan for how you move forward. So if you're in poverty today, you don't have to be in poverty tomorrow, but you do have to implement plans of faith, plans of determination to live for Christ and to know his word and to know his promises and to let go of control and to let him in and not focus on what baby daddy should do or the the hate or venom that you may be living with that you need to forgive that person of. Regrets in your life, maybe of an abortion that you had. Well, guess what? We were all in a state of lack of knowledge at some point in our lives. But you are now a new creature. So a new creature with new thoughts, new desires, new knowledge, and new healing power. So do not um, suffer and spend your time in regret. Regret leads to self-doubt. Regret can lead to shame. Regret's related to shame, and that's why we banished shame yesterday. So what are some of the, the biggest regrets that women have? And I've got five that I found in doing some research from um, Inc. Magazine. Not trying hard enough in school. Not losing weight on a diet. Choosing the wrong career path. Not getting on the property ladder, meaning don't own any property. Spending a night with someone I shouldn't have. And you will see in the next few weeks that I'm going to um, be offering an online um, group um, coaching on choosing the right career path and how to go about that with God. So that should be fun. So stay tuned about that in the upcoming um, weeks. One of the things in my background, I've served in nursing homes, um, in ministry and doing church services for the elderly at for different facilities. And I kind of managed that ministry um, for the church I was a part of as one of my roles. And when I found this research, of the top five regrets of people dying. I also found this to be what I would hear in my conversations. I did prayer services and I would sit down and talk with 
um, a number of elderly people. And these are some of the things that they listed. So imagine what I'm trying to do here with you is to prevent you from having these regrets when you're in your latter years of your life and may not be young enough to to get through or get back some of the things you didn't do today. And so today, I want you to think about what's some of the most important things you want in your life. And so here are the top five regrets of, of senior people or people dying. I wish that I had let myself be happier. That one is huge to me. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And so when you look at these, think of are some of these linked to the regrets you've listed when we began this podcast. But what I want you to embrace and take hold of, especially for women, because of the the lacking confidence and, you know, self-doubt is can be huge due to various reasons. I want you to lock hold on. I wish I had let myself be happier. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I know that when our income is low, we feel overwhelmed with how we're going to provide. We do have a provider that can provide above and beyond our physical or mental capabilities of thinking about how we can make more, do more, because we lose time with our children that we can never get back. I was a a corporate executive that was working hard, working hard when I was home, working hard when I was away from home for four days a week. And for me, my thought was, I'm doing this and giving my kids a great life. They live in a great house. They have a pool. They have vacations. They have great clothes. They have great friends. And I was thinking I was working hard to give them all these things. And one day, my son, it was around third or fourth grade, said to me he wanted me. And he said, when I said to him, don't you like all the things that mom's job provides? And he said to me that day, and it cut me to the core, that he would have rather have less things and have me around more. And as a single mom, I, I remember driving to the airport as I was catching a flight to go um, to work um, for meetings out of state. And I was just emotionally erect that, wow, that my son at his young age knew that I was working too hard and I didn't know how to stop this cycle because if I started a new career I would start over and that would shift our life totally to something different and who wanted to do that or felt like oh that would be wise and so what I did was try to be there more with him in his sporting events and and you know with him when I was home to engage with my sons more. But the Lord changed my career anyway later. And so I think back that if I was doing what I'm doing today, had made that decision to do that after that, that epiphany that my son brought to my attention, 
I think our lives would be different. But the Lord still demonstrated his plan. And I thank God that I am in the position that I am in today to serve and to work with women and other families to help you and help other people really evaluate where they are in life and to say that, you know what, I I made, I struggled through this, but if I can prevent you struggling from this decision, that is such a high and such a inspiration to me to help you. And so I want to help you have that life that you're happy today and not buy into, well, I'll be happy when I get to heaven. I'll rest when I get to heaven. No, Jesus died for us to have victory in our lives here and in our lives in heaven because the victory that he bought and paid the price for was for us to be forever victorious, forever in glory, forever happy. So I want you today to gather and garner the courage within you to live a life true to yourself, not the life others expect of you, whether it's your family, whether it's um, others who think this is the road you should go. If you know in your heart that you're called to do something else, maybe you're called to be a writer, maybe you're called to be a speaker, maybe you're called to be in medicine, maybe you're called to be a dentist, or maybe you're called to be a, a homemaker. Live to your call and not worry about, maybe you went to college and got all this education, but deep down, you're now married, you want to have, you want to be with your children, but you feel either guilty or feel committed that you spent all this time getting an education and now you are discussing you wanting to give it up. Well, guess what? Build a plan for what you desire to do. You know, maybe you and your spouse can live on one income or maybe there is a business that you can start that can give you more time with your children. My desire for you today is to not have regret tomorrow about what happened today. So I'm going to hear some additional things I want you to do because why I want to quench regret in its tracks is because regret leads to condemnation, which keeps you, as I call it, among the family members of shame. Condemnation means a statement or expression of very strong and definite criticism or disapproval. Basically, it means you prosecute and render judgment upon yourself too often and too regular. So here's a battle zone for you today that's out of the book. One, in your list of regrets from the beginning of the chapter, was God in the plan? Second, do you work for earthly needs or excesses? Third, are you trying to measure yourself or your success against a certain group of people or family? Fourth, is people-pleasing leading you to regret? And explain how. Are you in the career you desire? Do you spend time with close friends? Lastly, number seven, 
What can you do to reverse your list of regrets into progress? Amen. And here is a prayer for you to get rid of regret. And I'm going to read this and you can play this and we can you can replay this after I read it once and we can be in agreement right through this podcast to break off the spirit of regret off your life and to live with progress and momentum going forward. And I will end this podcast with this prayer. Father, please break the cycle of shame of my life. Lord, I repent for believing in the spirit of I. You have my beginnings and my end already planned. I shall be set free from regret and all links to the spirit of shame. Your word bears my identity. Lord, I ask to forgive all of those friends, family, and others. And I want you to list out those people in the blank saying, I forgive so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. I choose to forgive them. And I choose to not use their name or verbiage linked with regret. I ask you, Lord, to seal these words in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that the Holy Spirit will remind me and keep me ever moving forward and looking ahead to have progress, momentum, and freedom from the spirit of condemnation. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Well, ladies, you be blessed and you have your assignment for today and let's have progress. Amen. Bye-bye.